0: It's Monday, May 24th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. There's been a lot of buzz about UFOs in the news lately. Some new video from 2019 was recently leaked, showing an object flying by a Navy ship and disappearing into the water. Former President Obama was also recently asked about what he knew about these strange objects. This is all leading up to an upcoming report to be delivered to Congress that will supposedly detail what the Pentagon knows about unidentified aerial phenomena. Ginger Gibson, deputy Washington digital editor at NBC News, joins us for UFOs. Georgia and Arizona still looking into election results, and the vote to create a January 6th commission moves to the Senate. Next, President Trump and many of his allies continue to push the claim that there was mass fraud during the last election, causing him to lose. Multiple lawsuits have been thrown out in court as there is no evidence to the claims. And while many of these allegations have been pushed out for some time, where did they originate? Many of the key elements of the story saying the election was stolen from Trump were formed by a man named Russell Ramsland Jr., who was delivering presentations about fraud and voting machines as early as 2018. John Swain, investigative reporter at the Washington Post, joins us for how the stolen election myth was made news without the noise. Let's dive in. What is
1: true uh, and I'm I'm actually being serious here is is that uh, there are uh, there's footage and records of objects in the skies that we don't know exactly what they are. We can't explain how
0: they move. Joining us now is Ginger Gibson, Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News. Thanks for joining us, Ginger. Thanks for having me ufos have been in the news recently last week we saw some new video from 2019 that showed a ufo flying around a navy ship off the coast of san diego Uh, it was uh, you know jittering around and then all of a sudden kind of slipped into the water and disappeared uh we saw uh, an episode of 60 minutes where there was a navy pilot describing his encounters and former president obama was even asked about it on the late late show uh you know he was just kind of having some fun with it and all that but It's, uh, you know, UFOs always kind of pop up in the news and gets a lot of play, but we're actually going to be seeing a, a U.S. intelligence report being delivered to Congress. This is supposed to be happening next month, and it's supposed to make public what the Pentagon knows about UFOs, unidentified aerial phenomena, they call them now. So what are we what are we expecting from this?
2: Well, first off, we're expecting that report, which is due to the Senate Intelligence Committee, to be delayed. We actually don't think they're going to get it in June, even though that was the deadline they were given to get it together for the, for having the intelligence community put it together. And so basically what I think, there's, there's lots of interest, lots of intrigue about the potential for unidentified flying objects. And as President Obama said, you know, getting serious as he joked about it, was that we just don't know where they come from. And by that, he means, you know, they could be, little drones from a foreign country spying on us or maybe they come from another planet we don't know um and i think that that's the sort of exciting speculation people are really enjoying right now
0: yeah you know some of the new videos that have come out have been from 2004 2015 2019 so relatively recent Uh, Marco Rubio is a funny one because he always gets a lot of play. He always gets asked about this for some reason, and and he kind of maintains that line. You know, if this is a foreign military force or something flying over an airbase or whatever, we need to know about it. So he gets a lot of play in in this situation as well. And all of this was done because it got slipped into the two point three trillion dollar covid relief bill that President Trump signed before he left office.
2: That's right. So the report was part of a, of a larger bill, so it was authorized by Congress to do this investigation. And I think that there's, as you said, there's a lot of coy playing. A lot of folks who think that this is really probably spies or some type of, of effort by a foreign country, they don't want to tell us that what we're seeing is there are spy planes over our, our military bases or just over parts of our own, our, our non-military parts of our country. But I, I think that the hope uh, that people have about life out off of earth is (laughs) such that it keeps the hope alive.
0: Right. Definitely. Well, I'm looking forward to that that in whatever fashion it comes out. And it it should be interesting. Moving on a little bit. People are still trying to question the 2020 election. We have two situations going on right now. A judge in Fulton County, Georgia, that includes Atlanta, said that 2020 absentee ballots can be unsealed and reviewed by a group of electors who are claiming some type of fraud. I think they were claiming that workers were counting counterfeit fraudulent ballots. In Arizona, there's been this ongoing audit slash recount in Maricopa County. I think it was 2.1 million votes there. Um, but that's been full of problems. And, you know, they're saying that uh, county, um, the county destroyed evidence by deleting an election database. I, I mean, what are we to make of situations like this? Because it seems like they're trying to move it on into other parts as well.
2: Well, they found that database. They just didn't know how to search their computers for it, Um, so it's not lost. You know, I think that we're in this really strange time where people are trying to contend that uh, something that happened didn't happen, and that's that Joe Biden won the November election and, and won it by a lot, and that there's really no evidence of fraud. And so they're looking for some type of evidence to try to continue to bolster this false claim by Donald Trump that he actually won the election. And look, there's a lot of critics who say, no harm, go ahead, count, we won. And there's some critics who are concerned, particularly if you look at places like Arizona that the process has not been secure. And that even if they just point to say a tiny shift in the numbers, that maybe even wouldn't get them to win Arizona, that they'll use that as evidence to make people continue to believe the lie that he won the election.
0: Right, and I think that's the point right there because I, I think in both situations, they've already said it's not gonna change the outcome. There's no such, no possible way they're gonna reverse anything. They're just looking for something that they can point to. So we'll see what happens there. And the last thing I wanted to bring up is uh, last week, we saw the House vote to approve legislation for an independent commission to investigate the Capitol riots on uh, January 6th. All the Democrats in the House voted for it. 35 Republicans voted for that. Now it moves on to the Senate. They need 10 Republicans to vote with them to, to approve this. What is uh, What does that possibility look like?
2: I mean, we're still looking at unlikely passage in the Senate. But it appears that uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, the Democrat, is going to put the bill on the floor and let them vote and let Republicans vote as they may. And if they filibuster it, then that's on them. I mean, really, just in this remarkable time where, like, facts, (laughs) assessing facts are sort of a point of contention and whether or not people believe things that are in in fact factual can be questioned. Uh, I think both of these things go for that. And I think we're going to see this debate play out probably over the next week. Chuck Schumer has said that they could vote this week on that legislation.
0: And and what's the big opposition from Republicans on doing this? I mean, it was, it was such a huge deal. You would think they'd want some clarity on the issue.
2: Some of them have been pretty blunt in saying that they think that this is a political liability for them, that they think the Democrats who gave sort of a deadline in this for this commission to come up with something by the end of the year are just doing it to use against them in the midterm elections by pointing out that it was supporters of the former president who stormed the Capitol. And they're worried that it'll make them look bad, that it'll become a political fight. And for that reason, they won't allow this to move forward.
0: Ginger Gibson, Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News. Thank you very much for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: In Savannah, Georgia, there is a remote, uh, excuse me, a smart thermostat in one of the tabulation rooms that is talking to a tabulation server and reporting the votes back to China. And that was traced by a Microsoft engineer.
0: Joining us now is John Swain, investigative reporter at The Washington Post. Thanks for joining us, John. Thanks for having me. I wanted to talk about a, a report that you guys did there at The Washington Post about where the story came from that the 2020 election was stolen from President Trump. You know, it's always been a big curiosity. There was a lot of claims, a lot of uh, uh, people saying there was fraud, votes were being changed, and where is everybody getting this information from? And in your guys' investigation, your story, you point to a man named Russell Ramsland and his group called Allied Security Operations Group. They had kind of been setting this in motion for a number of years, looking into uh, smaller races across the country, looking into uh, audit logs on these voting machines. And it all kind of snowballed together and, uh, you know, came to a head with the 2020 election. So John, tell us a little bit about how this all started and how everything kind of blew up.
1: So that's right. Russ Ramsland is a wealthy businessman based in Dallas, Texas. He has oil and gas interests. He's had an eclectic career running a Tex-Mex restaurant in London and um, a venture to grow crystals in space with NASA. And he kind of took the reins of this security company you mentioned, Allied Security Operations Group, which is based just outside Dallas. And over the two years before the election, he really focused the company on the issue of election security and uh, voting machines, and really began pushing the notion that those machines were being hacked and that votes were being sent overseas, and making claims that people will probably remember became quite big in the days after the 2020 election. So the issue of Venezuela, for example, Ross right. Ramsland and ASOG, his company, they um. We're big on this notion that all voting machine software in the U.S. originates in Venezuela. And we saw uh, Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell, who were lawyers um, close to the president after the election, pushing this same notion. You know, and it's not true. There's one company that services just Los Angeles County whose founders are Venezuelan. But most voting machine software in the U.S. is run by other companies and has nothing to do with Venezuela. And so as we wrote in our article, we really saw some of the claims that Ross Ramlin was making over the years before the election being pushed by President Trump and his allies in the days afterwards.
0: A lot of this had to do with voting machine audit logs. There were lines of codes, timestamps, pretty hard to read. And I think they were looking for irregularities in there and kind of started developing this notion that these machines were getting it all wrong. As I mentioned, Ramslin kind of caught the ear of a lot of people in President Trump's circle. And then that's how these reports and all this stuff kind of started getting to him. But tell us a little bit about Ramsland and kind of the early work that they were doing. As I mentioned, this kind of set the basis for everything to come.
1: So Russ Ramsland made a connection with a voter integrity activist in Texas named Laura Presley. Now, she had run for city council in Austin in 2014, and she lost, but she was convinced that her election had been stolen. And the reason was she got audit logs from the machines in her race. And these audit logs have lots of lines of kind of computer code. And, you know, if, if people have seen computer code, they'll know that words like invalid and corrupt and, and words, so technical language around computer programming, that kind of thing featured in these logs. And if you look at them as an outsider, as a, a layman, they can look quite alarming. There's errors being recorded and things like that. But when you talk to experts about what these errors actually mean, they say that they're just run of the mill things. And actually, for example, if an election official tried to connect a memory stick containing votes to the machine and initially it didn't work and then it worked a second time, there'll be an error on the audit log. But that doesn't mean that votes were stolen or rigged. And uh, yeah, Laura Presley became close to Russ Ramsend and his company and they examined audit logs. From the 2018 elections in Texas as well, and again found error messages that they said were proof of fraud. And again, when experts looked at these logs, they said there was nothing really untoward there. But these logs became a real focus of Ramsland and his associates, and their belief that voting machines were vulnerable to hacking and indeed were being hacked.
0: Yeah, and you know, as we saw in the days after the 2020 election, with all of these claims that were going through. Things were just getting thrown out of court. You know, they were saying there's no evidence of any of this stuff. This happened early on with Ramslin and Presley, as you were just mentioning in her race. She filed a lawsuit. It got thrown out. They said it was frivolous, uh, that showed that, you know, it shows basically how thin a lot of these arguments were. And it was basically the same thing that happened, but just amplified because now it was the 2020 election and the president's election that was stolen in that one. So tell me a little bit about that. How? Really, these claims didn't get much play. They were even courting other people who had lost elections, and people were saying, no, you know, I don't want to file a lawsuit because it could make us look dumb, kind of thing. So really, they never got traction other than just to kind of create the conspiracy. That's
1: right. So in 2018 and onwards, they tried to sort of get interest from candidates in Texas who had lost. There was a state senator named Don Huffines and a congressman named Pete Sessions who had lost. He actually got back into Congress in 2020, so he's there again now. But they courted these candidates, as you say, and they tried to sell them on the idea that their races may have been rigged or, or stolen in some way. And really, these candidates took a look. They didn't really think there was much to it, and they declined. And as you say, surprisingly, the candidate that really did take the reins of these theories was the president of the United States, and they really were sort of thrust into the forefront of the discussion around the election.
0: So for Ramsland and his group, as things started getting closer to the 2020 election, they were holding these meetings and they were trying to talk to lawmakers about this. You know, it seemed that the hook was always to try to get to President Trump, uh, issue that warning that these uh, voting election machines, this fraud that was going on in much smaller parts could possibly affect our guy. You know, our candidate could lose because of all this stuff that's already happening. So tell us where it kind of made that jump, where it really came across to the president.
1: So some of the people that Russ Ramslin and his company were briefing in the years up running up to the election were people like Congressman Louis Gomet of Texas, who was a very staunch defender of President Trump. And Louis Gomet has said in sort of little known public comments that a year before the election, he took claims from a group that matches Russ Ramslin's group's description of security, private security outfit in Dallas, Texas, government said he took their claims to the president directly and that the president said this is a real problem. And that is one sort of direct route into the White House. Another was Sidney Powell, who in the years up to the election, she too was briefed by Russ Ramsland and his company. And then shortly after the election, she became quite close to President Trump. She had meetings with him at the White House. There was talk that she may have been appointed a special counsel to investigate the election. In the end, that didn't happen. But really, there were these people who were briefed in the years and months in the approach to the election who ended up getting these claims and these theories to the president and to people around the president.
0: After that, kind of the next phase of that was the big media blitz, because You know, all to this point, really, there'd been no real evidence of this. Any time that they had produced a report, it was kind of blown out of the water. They said, well, there's nothing there. And uh, you even spoke to a former senior cybersecurity official who led the team that was tracking the integrity of these 2020 elections. And they said, nothing really there. This group, Ramsland and his group, just kind of provided this authenticity or something. They just made it believable enough to catch enough traction and uh, Ramsland made all of the media tours, really pushing the idea. And as we know, one of former President Trump's strengths is in repetition, and all that repetition kind of just sowed all of those seeds of doubt.
1: That's right. And um, we had these sort of sound bites and factoids created by Ramsland, um, which were repeated by the president and by his his allies. Um, Ramsland submitted affidavits for some of the lawsuits that Sidney Powell brought, and they contained these sort of false. Details, false claims such as um, turnout in Detroit being 139%, meaning you know there were more votes than there were voters. And President Trump actually repeated that in his speech at the January 6th rally before the Capitol was stormed. He repeated it also in one of his calls with Georgia election officials when he was trying to persuade them to sort of uh, re-examine the result there. And Ramsland made similar claims that were repeated. There was a claim he made about Antrim County, Michigan, about how there was a 68 percent error rate in voting machines there. President Trump tweeted that and said, you know, this should be investigated. So as you say, you know, President Trump was willing just to mindlessly rebroadcast these claims made by Ramsland without fact checking them because they were false. And they made their way into the kind of conservative media and the, the ecosystem around the president and some of his supporters who continue to believe them.
0: And it really changed public perception. I, I mean, there was so many times when the president would tweet something out and it's kind of like, I have no clue where he's getting some of this stuff from. And that's why I love this article. There's so much information in this uh, that you and your team worked on. So I suggest everybody go out and read it. There's a lot of backstory to a lot of this, but this is the backstory. This is how the story had been developed. And and we even saw it on the campaign trail. The The president had been talking about voter fraud since the very beginning, almost laying the groundwork. For, so when he lost, it was easy to just point back to all of that. So there's a lot of information in your piece, John. As I mentioned, I suggest everybody go out and check it out. But just kind of the backstory to how the story that the 2020 election was stolen blew up. John Swain, investigative reporter at The Washington Post. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.